Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. This episode presented by the Well Coffee House, which is a Nashville area coffee house that provides fresh roast coffee along with house-made pastries, breakfast, and lunch offerings. There are four locations to serve you in the Nashville area. Those are Brentwood, Green Hills, Downtown, and Bellevue. You can get more info at wellcoffeehouse.org, the Well Coffee House where coffee changes lives. We also thank our co-presenting sponsor, Wellspire, National's Learning and Development Center, which is located in the Gulch. Today's news presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and your options when you've been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You may also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt has postponed graduation until next year, so students who are planning to walk in May now will not be able to do so. Again, that all due to the coronavirus scare. Our guest line, presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable sheets could be until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women, treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get these sheets, try the mattress, which was voted best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee, where he is... Maybe a little bored, but at least alive and well. My friend, it's good to do this with you again. We skipped last week when I was on vacation, but glad you're with us. Hope you're doing well. Hey, welcome back, fat boy. Hope you had a good time, man. Ready to do this podcast thing again. Yeah, I've been working uh, and doing the show from the house. Uh, I have an autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis, and so my immune system is a little bit weaker than others, and I'm fine, but they just wanted to... You know, if I'm a little bit immunocompromised, might as well keep it at the crib. So we're working from the house. My brother has the same thing, and we're on a little bit of a similar situation here, except my wife is a nurse. Um, I think, you know, she's got rheumatoid arthritis, which um, weakens your immune system, and she's taken a drug for that. But I think there's some complications with that, and um I can't remember exactly how it all plays out, but we're kind of under the same thing, except instead of quarantining and um, taking care of herself, she's got to be out there dealing with the public and sick people. And I really admire her and the people like that, that are like that. Yeah, no doubt, man. I've got a bunch of friends that are in that same, in that same line of work, man. It's a, it's, it's, it's certainly, it's a crazy time, brother. Crazy time. You know, the people that matter, I think, and the ones that I appreciate and respect more aren't the ones that get paid a ton, but it's the truck drivers and the farmers and the teachers. And I guess teachers right now, they're working in a different way, but I have more of an appreciation for those. And of course the nurses and the medical people, I think that I ever have. Yeah, there's no, no question about that, man. They're keeping us going. And I tell you what, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, it may take a while, but I get ready to get back to normal life. How would you like to just be going to spring practice just to cover a practice today? How great would that be? On one hand, I think the pause button and the break has been good for me. I mean, this is speaking completely selfishly, okay? I'm not happy that any of this happened for a number of reasons. The first is which that, you know, people, their health is in jeopardy, the economy has crashed, all those things. But just those things aside, it's been kind of good for me to hit the pause button. I was thinking I really haven't done that in probably eight or nine years. So that part is nice. No, the rest of it, again, is not. Uh, but what I do regret is just not having anything to cover, too. The baseball part is the thing that I think, as the years go on, just from a pure sports standpoint, we're really going to regret not having that season to know what happened. Um 
I've talked to Tim Corbin a little bit off the record. I won't share the details of that conversation, but he always has a very good gauge of his team and where things are headed. And when I talked to him, I sensed he was very optimistic about where they were going to be come May and June. And not that he shouldn't have been, but just to hear him say it made me think, man, it would have been great to see how this season played out from the standpoint of covering this. Oh, I know, man. Uh, yeah, I, especially that rotation, man. I wanted a chance to to, to see that. Now, you know, look, I, I guess that's out the window. But, you know, I mean, and I get it. Look, hey, everybody knows there's bigger fish to fry here. But uh, I'm with you, man. I'd have loved to see how far they could have gone. I mean, could they and could they have gone back to back? It's, you know, with a rotation like that, it's entirely possible. I think it was very possible. Um, I would take the field versus them, but I think they – absolutely had the horses to do it. I think the hitting was going to get better. I think he was very pleased at how they were coming along in the field and how some of those freshmen were coming along. And their pitching health was a part I was worried about. But I think uh, I sensed from him that those guys, Hickman and Rocker, were going to be fine. It were just some minor things that they were going through. And that was a question that I had is, like, how are those guys, if those things are more dire than they seem, then that – could change your season a bit, but knowing that now, I think this could have been another one of those epic seasons. They would have had growing pains and bumps in the road, kind of like they did in 2014. It would have been a different way, but I think they could have been there at the end. Yeah, I think so too. But, you know, in regards to taking the, the field, you always take the field in that situation. I would have taken the field with that Oregon State team from a couple of years ago that was so amazing. I, I would have taken the field, but but as far as any one individual team, I mean, you know, look, the Nationals, why did they win last year, Chris? Why did they win it all? Because of that rotation. Yep. And I mean, and and th- that would have put Vanderbilt. I mean, th- think think about all the teams that get taxed in the back end of regionals, you know, and, and they're and they're starting to really slowly get taxed from super regional and then Omaha. You know, they've got that one or two guy that can carry them, but then after that, they fade away. This team, you know, if, if by that time they were able to go three, four deep like that, I mean, who could compete with that? You know what's so interesting is how baseball just shifted because two years ago, 2018, it looked like bullpen was a way to do it and piece it together. And both yeah. at the college and pro level, you saw an abrupt shift to where starting pitching really, really, really mattered last year. You know, it did. I'll say this as somebody who follows the team who uh, is trying to accomplish both, actually, and, and in a year or so is going to be able to, uh, but but has structured their bullpen first uh, with 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 the thought in, in, in baseball that if, you know, if I, if, I, if I can catch that six, if I can get through five with the lead, get through six with the lead, I'm probably golden. You know, but that that that's real hard to do. Depth, the bullpen is one thing. Bullpen depth is quite another. You know, and, and then and and every time, even if you have just the slightest crack in it, if you don't have that guy that can bridge you, uh, you know, to to your to your close, you don't have that setup guy. You're good everywhere else in long relief, and you know, you got a good close, but you just don't have that guy. Maybe you got to start bringing him in, uh, uh, an inning and a third, and an inning two thirds. You don't need him to do that. Uh, that's when you start to crack. But you know, I. I mean, I understand, and if I were trying to build a team, I would probably do it through uh, the bullpen first. But, man, when you can get both, you know, and Tyler settle down a little bit and get back into his form, I mean, you got to go into a game now. I mean, I know it's not realistic across the board because it's a college baseball, but you kind of would have to go. I would think when you were going into a game with Vanderbilt, you would probably have to figure, you know, if I surrender four runs a game, I'm probably beat. You know, I'm going to throw this out there just off the top of my head. I wonder if that couldn't have been the greatest college pitching staff ever assembled had they played the season out. Because we've said this multiple times. With the four arms they had, just the three in the rotation, or, or four or five if you want to throw lighter in there, you know, you get 20-something innings if you assume you get two or three from Tyler Brown. You're not going to score many runs off the guys they had in the rotation, whether it's Hickman, Rocker, Leiter, Hickman, Rocker, Eater, whoever it is. They're going to have 
three studs in there at the end and a fourth guy to boot and probably a fifth too. But then you throw in, like I said, Tyler Brown. You throw in the guys like Laboki and Doolin and Thomas Schultz, who was a really big surprise. And those guys aren't just guys an inning at a time, but they can give you two, three, four. I mean, you don't have to have a long leash if a guy's struggling in the postseason. You can just go to any one of eight, nine guys out of the bullpen and be fine. I really do wonder if that could not have been the best college pitching staff in the history of things had the season played out. Uh, man, it certainly has to be way, way up there. There was a – was it North Carolina that had such a good rotation or was it UCLA? that had such a good rotation a couple of years ago that Cole was part of that. If I remember correctly, there were two or three of them. Was it UCLA, Chris? Is that right? Maybe it was UCLA. They had gold. They had Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer. I think they had a decent three to, I don't know if it was Adam Plutko or who that was. And they also had a kid, I think maybe I'm wrong. Dave Berg might've been a couple years later. And if he was my apologies, but if he was on that team, too, they had like that long relief guy, too, who's one of the better relievers in college baseball history. Again, I may be off. They they may not have been paired together. But, yeah, that UCLA staff was pretty special, too, and you just couldn't hit Cole or, or Bauer, and that was it. Yeah, and, you know, you, you think about it and say, okay, well, what if, what if our freshmen, you know, I know they started out amazingly, but you know, could they? You know, do they wear uh, you wear down a little bit with the rigors of a season? Here's what I would say, and hey, I'm not calling him Kumar because that was special. But was Kumar's season last year was his first half better, or did he get better as the season went along? I mean, that's a rhetorical question. You already know the answer to it, but uh, I just kind of goes to show that if, for those special freshmen out there that can handle the long, or plus think about it. Nobody, there's not one particular player on this, in this rotation. That's, I mean, in regards to that starting set that you'd have to say is all the pressure is on them. You know what I mean, Chris? I mean, let's just say there was no, there was no rocker or anybody that, and it was all incumbent upon Mason Hickman. Well, you know, which a lot of good teams are like that. If, if Hickman's not pitching well, you've got two or three others that can take up that slack until he picks it up. There's most teams out there, even the really good ones, they don't have that luxury. Yeah, um, and I'm looking up the 2013 UCLA roster. That was the year. That was the national championship team. Actually lost 17 games. James Caprillion was on that team too. He is, I think, a prospect of some stature with the Yankees maybe. I think that's who drafted him. Dave Berg was on that team. Um, I don't know that they were a powerhouse offensively, but again, those arms, what else you need? No doubt. Yes, and so I guess what are we, you know, so what would you classify this as just no champion? I'm, obviously, we don't get two in a row because it didn't happen, but how do, how do they classify that? Just like the season never never happened? I mean, I guess there's, there's not going to be a champion. I guess they'll just... I mean, you look, you have the records, what they were, but nobody would really gotten into conference play. So this is all uncharted territory. And speaking of that, is it just me or like the last six or seven years, does Vanderbilt Athletics in general just have an inordinate amount of what-ifs that are just kind of laced with something bad, if you know what I mean? I don't. What, What do you mean? Well, okay, first of all, you had a potential national championship season wiped out. Um, you know, we've talked about the Donnie Everett thing many times, and, and I don't want to get into that again, but what, the what could have been there. You know, you go back to to basketball and the Darius Garland thing. You go back to 2013 or 2014, I guess it was 2013, the, the Vandenberg incident and how that changed everything. It just seems like for years, well, and, and I'll go to another thing. Last fall, yeah, there was this, all this momentum and Vanderbilt hired Malcolm Turner to see what it can be. And, you know, and all of a sudden they just squashed that. I mean, it just seems like it has been just one massive momentum shift covering this athletic program after another now for about seven years running. 
Well, the only thing that I would t- say to you is you got to take the advice of uh, the Impressions. Remember Curtis Mayfield and the Impressions? Remember that band? Remember what they said? I don't. Got to keep on pushing. That's what you got to do, man. It's it's yeah. I mean, I'll say this. Uh, it, it's certainly been interesting, frustrating for sure, but it it hasn't been for a lack of stuff going on. And of course, right now, you know, I'd give anything for any of that. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's, and it's been tough. But you know what? Tell you what. Couple things here. First of all, I. I'm I don't I don't want to get that way I don't because I know what's going to happen people are going to point out you know Mason's been here this long he's had this amount of time and all this other stuff but does and I know I know what you're going to say I've heard this before but doesn't there just seem to be a little bit of a different vibe with the new coaches and coordinators that have been brought in here they seem to be recruiting pretty well just snagged the number 10 player in the state of Louisiana who by the way my gosh I it's been. I, I'll just say this: Jack Beck's film, absolutely love it. There just seems to be a different vibe going on, you know, in regards to a little bit of excitement from some people around the program with this and with this with this new blood in here. And I, and I don't know if that equates to anything in in this next season, uh, but I don't know that it won't either, you know. And I, I look at the way that Stack ended at, at at the end of the year, you know. Obviously didn't go the way we wanted this year, but you know you saw the fight, and you never know in regards to who's coming back and and, and what this team can do. So, and, and the baseball thing still is going to be fantastic because if, now Kumar can't go right. That's he's still not draft eligible. Is that right? That's correct. Well, okay. The one thing that I do I mean, wonder a, a little bit is what I'm saying. Yeah, the the only one, and I don't think this is going to happen. I don't have any of it. The only thing I wonder is. I wonder if baseball ever gets to the point where you have these guys that have, like you see in bowl games, right, where guys just decide not to play. Um, and that, that's kind of silly to speculate on at some point. Um, I would wait till that problem was at my doorstep before, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the chances of that are very, very remote. That's just me speculating. I mean, the, the rest of it, football is just going to be weird because, yeah, they got some momentum in recruiting. I like Ken Seals, but I just don't see any way their season goes well. And then at that point, what do you do? You bring him back for a seventh year? Uh, you know, all I can tell you, bro, is I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see where we're at. I mean, you know, even when you have tough times like that, if you can show if you can show that there's some promise out there, and there's reason to believe that. I mean, there just is. There's a couple of reasons uh, to believe that. I mean, I'm not talking about nine and three or anything, but I mean, we're in we're still in March and haven't even finished. I don't even have a spring to go through. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait till I see that happen before I've already written this season off. I mean, I get why you wouldn't, why you would do that, but I'm, I'm, they're gonna have to, I'm gonna wait to see what happens this time. I, I get it. I know Mason's been there a long time, and you're thinking everything's gonna be the exact same, but it just seems different to me this time. Maybe, maybe not on his part, but the rest of it. With that, let's get a couple of questions to the mailbag because they hit on some things that you want to talk about. Our mailbag is sponsored. Hey. Yes. Chris, before we before we do that, man, if if we could, man, just real quick, um, as you know, I was a big, big Woody Woodenhofer fan, and I, that I, I I hated to see the passing of, of Coach Woodenhofer, man. Uh, you know, he was a lot of fun, and 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 when I was first starting out, I got to interview him, Coach, and I and I, the coach, and I told you about this uh, one time, Chris, but. Uh, Man, he he was just so much fun to talk to. I interviewed him in the very first year that I was doing my show. It was like 20 years ago. And uh, he had just gotten married. And if I remember correctly, it was like to a much younger woman. And uh, I called him up and I got to talk to him for a little bit. And and, uh, we were just chit-chatting and to set up the interview. Uh, So he calls me up at the station. We're getting ready to go. He comes on the air. And we're sitting, we're having a big time. We're talking football, cutting up a little bit. And the and the last question that I asked him, Chris, uh, last question that I asked him before the, we ended the interview, I said, uh, 
So, Coach, how was the honeymoon? And it was just a simple, how was the honeymoon? Nothing, you know, I wasn't trying to, to be crazy or anything like that. I asked him, uh, how, how was the honeymoon? And his answer was so woody and so funny. He said, well, I'll tell you, it's just like, it's just like a game film. I, I, it's just like a, a, scout, a scout in a game. I have to go back and watch the film and I'll let you know later. Oh, I mean, how awesome is that? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's a little risque. I get that. But, he, you know, it was our first year, and we just were in the studio and just looked at each other and just fell out the whole place. That's how he was, man. I loved that. That's one of the greatest That's one of the greatest answers to an interview that I have ever done in 20 years. I, I, think, about, I think about that all the time. He, that's how he was, and, I'll, and that's how I'll remember him, and I hated to see his passing. Yeah, I— didn't bring that up. I didn't know if we'd have time with your limited schedule today to get into that and get into the mailbag. I actually am trying to coordinate a podcast with the former player or two that played for him to hit that, and I think that'll be interesting if we can pull it off. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that. I, I was uh, Woody was my guy, man. I liked him a lot. I'm glad you said that. I actually, that's something I'm going to try to do in the coming months. The one good thing about hitting the pause button on sports is it frees up some time to cover some other things. And one of the subjects I want to get into or a series of subjects is basically a rewind and go through particular games or seasons or eras or whatever with some former players and just hear them tell the story in their words. I've got one set up for Monday with Carson Fulmer. And I'm really, really excited about that one. We're going to go through the national title season. And, of course, the 2013 season was special in its own right. And then in 2015, they nearly repeat. I think I've said this before. Carson was my absolute favorite person I've ever covered on this beat. So be able to have him and walk through that time, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to try to do some more of those. Uh, again, the Woodenhofer podcast that I'm trying to put together will be another one, although that was before I covered this. And so I don't have any, you know, I wasn't around for that as a journalist, but that'll be another thing that I'll do. Oh, that'd be great. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't it you and I, uh, during a podcast one time, we talked about it of all the Vandy pitchers of all the time, and you needed to give the ball to one player. Uh, didn't we do it? Was that you and me? That was the and two I, of I us. Think, I, think, I, think we, I, I think we both said Carson Fulmer. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know who, I, I, of all the greats, and there's been a bunch of, uh, that's who gets the ball for me. If I, if I, if I need one, if I need, I need it one time, that's who's getting the ball for me. And to me, that given the, given the names that you can run out from this program, that's, that, that shouldn't be taken lightly. And to that, I've started what's going to be a pretty exhaustive research project. And I, Announce this on the site. I'm going to do the Vandy Sports 100, which I'm going to go back and. The Vandy and Sports 100. You missed this, I guess. It's going to be the 100 uh, yeah. greatest players that I've ever covered. And I've started the research on it. I'm probably going to spend several more days before I get to roll it out. But I'm going to go from 100 down to count down the. 100 best players I ever covered, really to be judged by the careers they had at Vandy. But Carson might be a candidate for one overall. Now, are you are you are you going to make sure to be a, you, that you're able to completely remove anything they've done professionally and strictly base it upon nothing but what they did while they were playing in college? For the most part, yes. Here is where I will make a little bit of an allowance. For instance, in football, like Jay Cutler, we knew he was a really good player, but I think after he was gone, we probably realized more, okay, this guy played in the NFL for 10 or 12 years, so he's got to be that talented. Um, and he played at a pretty decent level, too. I think like in football in particular, where you had a lot of, good players to great players on just bad teams. And it's kind of hard to judge in football because there's so many players on the field at once. I think that in football, I will kind of add some context in some places 
In other words, if a guy was, we just thought he was good, but like Adam Butler would be a classic example, right? Adam Butler, I think, has probably become a better player in hindsight than we knew the day he graduated. He never made all SEC or anything like that. I think that's where I will make the adjustment, and it'll be mostly in that sport. sport but otherwise, it's going to be almost 100% based on what you did when you were in that uniform. All right, here's where I want to know. I just, you know, without giving anything away, all right? Just exactly where do you have Libner Tuluska? <laughs> Libner is on that list of others being considered. <laughs> I'm sure he is. My that friend. was also, okay, the- uh, I think that was also <laughs> before I covered the program, too. So, again, everything is going to be 2003 forward. 2003 forward. Okay. All right, well, sir, where is Rick? Is where does Rick, Rick Jones fall into that category, right? No, Rick Jones was before I did this. Was Jones was Jones was God, 98, 99. Am I that old? I, yeah. Wow. Maybe not quite then, but I think he was he was before I covered this, I think. Man. Does Brendan Plavick fall into that? Probably not. I think Plavik's one year was either. Gosh, I want to say that was the the year before I started this, but I could be wrong. And I can't believe this. I cannot believe how time is. Where did it go? Uh, well, I look forward to reading that list, man. You have a preconceived uh, uh, idea of who number one's going to be without telling. No, I don't. I try not to do that. What I have is I have this sheet. That I'm, well, I have this series of spreadsheets that I'm working through. This is nerdy stuff, I, but just tells you my process. I'm going through and throwing all the pertinent career stats of all the players on there just to make sure. I mean, I have my opinions about stuff, but your memory can fade a lot over the years, and you may forget this guy was a little better than you remembered, or maybe this guy wasn't as good as you remembered. So I put all that out there. I've got like one sheet for hitters in baseball, another one for pitchers in baseball. I'll have one for football on offense. I'll have another one for football on defense. And then I'll have another one for basketball. And within those five lists, I will rank players there. So I'm kind of ranking them against their counterparts. In other words, it's it's harder to do if you're comparing a baseball pitcher to a football linebacker. Uh, but I think it makes it a little easier if you kind of rank them against their counterparts. And then you just take those lists and say, okay, um, you know, would I've rather had Jay Cutler or David Price or Carson Fulmer or Shane Foster or or whoever the the players may be that are under consideration? And I will I'll rank them line by line against each other, and I'll come up with that, and then I'll put the whole list together. And again, I'm going to start from 100 and work down, but that is going to be my process. I think it's going to take me. Oh, man, it's going to be a good three or four full days just sorting through that and ranking those guys and then maybe combing through it one more time. And getting stats for these guys sometimes is really hard, too. You'd be surprised at how hard it is to find some things at times or how much you you find a year here and then a year there and you have to piece that all together. What I'm saying is that the grunt work alone right now is, is a lot to bite off. And once I get done with that is when I'll start my countdown. I'm hoping to do that. Middle of next week, maybe Wednesday, but that's the way I'm going to work through it. I do not, I try not to have a preconceived notion about stuff because I don't want to let that get in the way of the facts and the research speaking for itself as I go through that. Okay. I want to do just one, then we'll go to the mailbag. I want to do just one. I'm going to throw two names out there. They both play the same sport. Uh, different sides of the football, so I get it, but I just want to see how this would kind of work, how this would stack up. All right, I'm going to give you two players, and I think this is going to be very difficult for you to to pick somebody here, or maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. We'll see. You ready? Yeah. Jordan Matthews and Zach Cunningham. Oh, man. I think I would go Jordan Matthews, and I will tell you why. First of all, Jordan holds a major SEC record, right? And the other thing is Zach had really about a good year and a half. 
In other words, he had that one great year that we all know about, right? But his yeah. freshman year, he didn't do much of anything. He was a reserve. Um, his sophomore year is when he started to come along. Um, and, and so I, the, the thing is, there's two elements of this, right? And this is where it gets tough. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you two, like in baseball, I'm going to struggle with, right? Okay, one is Warner Jones because everybody remembers Warner Jones for that fantastic sophomore year where he hit 420 or whatever, and they won the Charlottesville Regional, and he was a first-team All-American. Well, Warner Jones, and some of this is no fault of his own, he got hurt and was never the same player after this. He's got one outstanding year where he was one of the best players in college baseball, but the body of work with the other stuff is very underwhelming. Again, there's two dimensions there. The body of work besides that isn't great, but it also is due to an injury, and I think you have to take that into consideration. Uh, Casey Weathers would be another one, right? Like, you remember Casey mm-hmm. Weathers is this lights-out dude who just, at the end of games, you didn't want any part of. Well, the guy pitched, I think, 70-something innings for his career. When he got a lot of guys that pitched 250-plus. Um, and, his, and his other year at Vandy was, was good, not great. So it's like, how do you wait? Because, like, if you say Casey Weathers is my number, you know, 78 guy on the list or whatever. It's like, well, wait, that doesn't sound right because Casey Weathers was this All-American, but at the same time, the the body of work on the whole wasn't huge. So back to what you asked me, I would lean Matthews over Cunningham just because he was a very good player for a longer stretch of time than Cunningham was. Now, I would say at Cunningham's peak, he was probably better but I think the body of work probably is why I would go Matthews. But that'll be one of the things that I'll iron out as I go through it. That's I get the, the variables are going to be the question. You know, I mean, statistics versus if you can quantify who is actually better at their at their craft. Well, and what I do as I go through it, I will list them. I like I have a list. I'll say here's the the forty hitters in baseball that I considered, and I'll I'll kind of line them up and say this guy's stat line was better or whatever. Um, and you also, again, you look at peak in there too. Did they have that one great year? Because that gets a lot of weight. But then sometimes I'll go through it and I'm like, well, you know, this guy's stats were better than this guy's stats, so I'll put them before that. But I'll look at the list and I'll go, well, I wouldn't have taken – I got guy A over guy B, but I wouldn't like – if I had to go back and assemble a team at the time – I'd rather have B than A, even though he looks better on my list. And so that's part of it, too, is just going back and thinking, okay, let's not get too knee-deep in the stats here and let an element of common sense and intangibles and stuff like that play in. It's going to be – I think it's going to be very fascinating putting this together. It'll just be something that I have fun doing. Uh, Even if I didn't share it with anybody, this is the kind of thing that I enjoy doing. That is the one blessing of this is I now have time to do stuff like that that I don't normally have time to do because I'm knee-deep in covering what's in front of me. All right, fat boy. Uh, I got We got to get to this bag. I got to bounce. Okay, the mailbag is sponsored by Mark Jen of Simply a Fan. Mark organizes road trips to sporting events across the country. So when those become... On the social schedule, again, please look up Mark because he's great at doing this. Go to simplyafan.com for more information. Tell him you heard about it on the podcast. Okay, VandyFan96 asked something you touched on earlier. Do you feel there's been some quiet optimism and momentum regarding Todd Fitch's new offense? I guess that wasn't exactly where you went, but you went the direction of a little optimism around football, so let's just go with that one in particular. Well, yeah, I mean, kids are telling you that. I mean, that, that's in the response in some of these interviews, they're talking about that, you know, and and we're, hey, I just got to say that one state has been good to Vanderbilt has been Louisiana, wouldn't you say? I mean, it just has. Yeah. You know, over the years, and they continue to mine that state pretty well. And, you know, for a, a, to get a cat that's ranked in one, as one of the top 10 prospects in, the, in, the, in, in Louisiana, that's, that's pretty good. And you turn on the film and this dude, you know, I mean, he's not going to run away and leave everybody. Uh, but you talk about a, a, a red zone threat. You talk about a guy who's going to go up and win a 50, 50 ball. Most times you're going to go, you're talking about a guy who's looking to level people when he blocks uh, great catch radius catches pretty much everything and has a, a motor that won't stop. 
and you're ranking the top 10 in the state of Louisiana in a good year, I'll take, I'll take that all day long. You know, I, I will, you know, the big boys will be coming in after this cat, but you know, he, at least right now he says he's locked and loaded and ready to go. You know, I, you, these young quarterbacks we got come in, they have to have weapons. And right now, think about that. The first, the, the first three uh, commitments to this class are a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, and a big, strong physical wide receiver as a weapon for our young QBs. I'll take that. To the Fitch aspect of the question, what do you say to that? What, that just he's having an effect already? Yeah, I think that's what he was getting at. You know, and, and just talking to some folks in the brief amount of time uh, that uh, they were able to 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 go in spring football and and go through some of the stuff. I talked to a few people, you know who I'm talking about, uh, that seemed to be pretty excited and, and pretty happy uh, about about Coach Fitch and about what he's going to bring to the table. So, you know, I mean, you have to do it before it's done. But uh, I mean, they they at least seemed pretty excited about that. Well, Fitch is also spent a lot of time in Louisiana because he came from tech. So that is a place where you mentioned the Louisiana recruiting element of it. I can't think that hurt. Oh, I I guarantee it didn't hurt. And there, and there, you know, there's a few more they're in on in that state. And I would expect them to hit it pretty hard and heavy. Take advantage of your strengths, man. It's what you do. Last one from Mr. Vandy. What do you think about the signing of Phillip rivers for the Colts? Oh man. Well, you know, I, I don't know, Chris, that's, I wrestle with that. I wrestle with it because I mean, they've got almost $50 million committed to the quarterback position this year. Uh, I mean, the dude's going to be what? 39 next year. And Is he that old. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah he's 38 right now. Um, and so, there's one side of me. I think, I think we gave him 25 million for one year, and clearly he's a stop. I do like the fact that it's one year, uh, and, and clearly he's stop gap, and they're going to hold on to Brissett. I, I, I think that means I think that means you can never be fully sure with with Chris Ballard that 34 or 44, if they don't move, which is where they pick, because as you know, they traded the first round pick for DeForest Buckner, which by the way, I absolutely love that move. Um, you got to think that there's a uh, a Hertz, an, uh, an Eason, somebody like that at, at 34 or 44, if one of those guys happened to still be available. Um, and, and they learn behind a guy like Philip, you know, because Brissett's going to be off the books after next year. And, and Philip Rivers, I mean, look, the dude, I keep hearing everybody say, well, you know, the guy had no offensive line, which the part was true. But he also had two phenomenal running backs and a stable full of big stud receivers and tight ends. He didn't have that. He has a good running back behind him. Uh, and he has T.Y. Hilton. I like Jack Doyle, but the rest of that rec- receiving crew is completely unproven. You know, you know, they don't have those weapons. And, you know, even though Rivers still threw for over 4,000 yards and his completion percentage was fine, he threw for over 20 interceptions for the second time in four years. And the, it's clear that he's played the best football that he's ever going to play. See, this roster right now, this, this roster is built to win. My, how much of an improvement is he over Jacoby Brissett? I, I don't think that much. Probably not that much. But Ballard knows that he has a roster that's ready to win right now, and he's hoping that Phillip Rivers can catch that magic you know, for one more year and get them where they want to be whilst possibly training somebody, you know, mentoring a, a second-round quarterback, the quarterback of the future uh, is all I can tell. Uh, now, for me, you know, I, I don't really have any choice but to take it. I mean, do I love it? No. Do I hate it? No. Uh, do I think it's much of an improvement over Jacoby Brissett? No. Um, but, you know, Ballard, Ballard and Reich, especially Reich has experience with, with Rivers and Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator. So, you know, there's connections there, and maybe they can do something with them. I don't know. Um, if this team doesn't win the South or, or doesn't make the playoffs, it will be because that experiment failed, because I think that the rest of the, st- of the roster is ready to win right now. Titans have got to be favorites in that division right now, right? Why? Well, A, they won it, and B, 
I don't think they've gotten markedly worse, have they? I mean, you look at what happened, and you look at comparatively speaking, okay? You you got the Colts and the uncertainty that you just spoke of there with the quarterback situation. You got Houston getting rid of Hopkins. I don't know. I think if they end the season as the best team in that division, um, and there's no reason to change it right now, then I don't know. That's the way I see No, look. I was on vacation last week. I'm spending this week getting called up. I may have well have missed some stuff in free agency, but it seems to me like they have to start the year uh, for at least right now before the draft at the top of the heap. There's only two teams in this division now, Chris, uh, and it's going to be that way for the foreseeable. This comes down, I, I think, for the next three, four years to two teams, and that's it. It's the Titans or the Colts, the Jags are nowhere, and the Texans are <laughs> – I mean, I, I, I can't even get into that because I can't believe it. Uh, but they're nowhere either. This is two teams right here. Um, is Indy going to be better than they were last year? I think so. I, I, I mean, he's a disruptive three technique. I don't see how they can't be marketed doesn't play uh, improve, then they'll stay about the same, and it'll definitely be the Titans division. But having said that, a couple things here. First of all, you weren't going to be able to keep everybody. I know that. We all knew that. Rob, Jay Rob was in a tough position as far as that goes. The odd man out was Jack Conklin. You have to re- replace Jack Conklin. Um, Derrick Henry, at least at the moment, is operating on that tag. You know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I mean, he's a superstar stud. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But my question is, how, how how is that handled? The other one that that bothered me a little bit that I, I just I just I mean, I, I get it. Uh, maybe you're clear money or whatever. I don't know. But I, Jarrell Casey, seventh round pick. You know, Jarrell Casey's been one of the heartbeats of that football team for a good bit now, you know, and he still had plenty of good football in him. I felt, and maybe I'm missing something in the equation and, and somebody can, can tell me about it because I don't really get it. Uh, I, I think what has to happen is, is a, they need to get a lot, they get a lot of, need to get a lot of production from, from big Beasley. And if they can get him back to his, to his, was it 2016, Chris, I think it was when he led the NFL in sacks. I believe so. Uh, get him back. Get him back to that form. And and by the way, I think the Jadavian Clowney sweepstakes comes down to two teams. I think it's the Indy or, or Tennessee. I think it's one of those two teams. But the other exception possibly being staying in Seattle. Uh, I think one of those two teams is going to get that player. And I think that could make a huge difference for either one of those teams. Uh, yeah, I, I have the Titans as the favorite on, on paper. No question about it. But I also think that they, in their receiving core, you know, Ty Sharp, as you know, he's gone, which I, I mean, I don't really consider that too big a loss, but I, I think for them to have more success this year, somebody not named AJ Brown is going to have to step up. Corey Davis is going to have to, cause I'm sorry, he has done nothing for based upon what he was, where he was drafted. They need something out of him. It can't just be AJ Brown, you know, to get that. Cause you're not going to be able to just run the football forever. You know, and, and and there were a couple games. Look, there were a couple games, and I like Ryan Tannehill. I think that was the right move. There's a couple games that he threw for well over 300 yards, two or three of those. So they're more than capable of that. But they need somebody. Maybe they can get that done through the draft or whatever who can step up and help 11 out. Because right now, I'm not afraid of anybody in that receiving core not named A.J. Brown. Okay, three things. The Casey thing did bug me. I'm glad you brought that up. I kept figuring that there was a shoe to drop there. Uh, it has not happened yet. I, I'm presuming they're going to have Derrick Henry next year, so that's part of my assumption. The third thing, I do think you're forgetting Jonu Smith because he really flashed at the end of last season. So I think that their passing yeah. game's a little more potent than you maybe credit it for. But I say, but I said receiving core. Okay, I mean, well, I understand and. He catches a lot of passes. He does. He he does. But when so when but when Delaney Walker was catching all those passes, were you saying that they were you, are you telling me you weren't saying they had a problem with their receiving core because they had Delaney Walker? Well, come on, there's a big difference. They got an AJ Brown now that they never had then. They do. They do, but John U. Smith is not Delaney Walker of, of three or four years ago. 
though I like him. This is what this will be his what fourth year, I think it is, uh, with Tennessee, and I think he's getting progressively better. Uh, I don't think he's that caliber. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he he has a really good year. I just want to see somebody else in that receiving core step up. And right and honestly, if I'm truthful, I'm really talking straight to Corey Davis. No, and I I think that's fine. I I get what you're saying. I I do think that Jonu Smith really flashed some explosive ability in the playoffs. It got me excited. But the Davis thing, you're right. And I mean, who knows? I think the longer that goes without him becoming what everybody thought he would be the more that you bet against. But, you know, he also had a, an incredibly productive college career and, and has shown flashes to things from time to time. But other than that, I, I don't have an issue with what you're saying. Yeah, and it's. I think it's going to be fun to watch the next. I mean, because those two teams already kind of mix it up anyway when they get together. But I, I mean, I'm surely you you won't debate that in the next four or five years, that's a two two horse race. It just is. I mean, it seems that way. The Colts are so well run. It seems like they're always going to be up there uh, and pretty competitive, including some years that they have been that you didn't think they would be. Now, I do want to hit on one thing. I just don't know what kind of prize Jadavian Clowney is. That one to me is, if you are getting rid of Casey to make room for Clowney and pay him more money, I don't know if that's what they're thinking. But I don't right. know. I, I, I That's where I think I would... If that's what getting rid of Casey was designed to do, I think I would have stood pat. Well, and the market says you're right. I mean, because Clowney, you know, was looking for top dollar, and he found out quickly in free agency he wasn't about to get it. You know, he 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 wasn't as valued as 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 he was. But that doesn't mean he can't be an impact player for a team, especially one where he doesn't have to be the absolute man on it, which he wouldn't be on either one of those. You know, I mean, look, the Titans, Jeffrey Simmons is going to be a star in this league. Fight me over it. Let's go. Uh, I, I believe that with everything I got, you know, and, and same thing for DeForest Buckner. He's already a star, you know. So you add Jadavion Clowney to either one of those defensive linemen. It's not because he's the sole focus of it. He's just a, he's just that piece that would probably fit perfectly on both of those defensive lines and, and, and take them over the top. I like the Titans front seven. I like the Titans defense, period. Well, you know, I, I do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Clowney's just never been as productive as people thought he would be, and that's one thing. But it's entirely another thing when you got JJ Watt on the other end. Well, JJ Watt's hardly played football. Well, but I know. But know. I, my point is, they have played together before. They have, but I mean, that's JJ Watt, right? You know, but here's, I, I, here's my point: is that should free you up to really put up some numbers. Agreed, but here's a, a, a goofball stat that I saw about uh, Jadavian Clowney, and, and I don't know what this means. I mean, I don't know how you quantify this, but uh, over the since in the past four years, he's the only player in the NFL with thirty plus sacks and four touchdowns. Say that, that again. Mean? He's the only player with thirty plus sacks and four touchdowns. Oh, Clowney. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Jadavian Clowney's the only one. So. I mean, he's he's clearly productive. I, I think he is a victim of not a victim. That's not the right word. I, I think he's a product of our expectations. No, you and know, I, I he, that's you, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm I'm I was distracted. I wanted to look up his bio to make sure I wasn't missing anything. He's got 32 career sacks. He does have four defensive touchdowns. I'd forgotten uh, that he was as productive at Carolina that last year. 13 sacks, 23 and a half. For loss and, and player of the year because I think it's like you said he was always tagged with that number one recruit thing and once you're there the best you can do generally is meet expectations so it is a tough place to start it is and and hey and people start th- and then they think about that hit against Michigan you know and then he's supposed to be just this mega superstar. That didn't happen, but that doesn't mean that he is not a productive player in this league because he certainly is. Um, and, and that's why I say I think both of these teams and their front sevens are good enough uh, to where they don't need him to be the the what fixes them. They need him to complement the rest of it to 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 tighten up the entire line and then and that front seven. And I think that he would be a very good addition 
to both of those teams. I, I really do. And I think it's going to be one of those two who it's going to be. I don't know. Maybe some, maybe he ends up in Seattle, maybe a, a, a team later on scoops him up. But I mean, a lot of the smoke is blown towards those two AFC South teams. And I think he'd be a perfect compliment to either one. Well, the other thing too is uh, injuries have clouded a lot of his career, which you can look at two ways. You can look at one that's injury prone, or you can look at the other side of the coin and say, if he were to get health, what could he do? A lot. <laughs> and and that's the thing. But you got him and Simmons and Beasley and Landry and Brown. You know, I mean, you got some, you got uh, some, and Evans, Byard, Jackson, you got some daddies on that other side of the ball. Now, if you're in Indy, dude, you, you're talking about a three technique in front of Darius Leonard. It's as, as disruptive as anybody outside of Aaron Donald. So you develop DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Kamiko Ture comes back. Justin Houston, Danico Autry, Anthony Walker. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Both of these defense, both these front sevens are capable of being the two of the better in, in all of football. You add a piece like that to them, and it just makes them even better. Hey, it's not my money. <laughs> it never was. That's right. <laughs> Hey, Never was, man. I know you need to get along to your business, so yeah. thank you for joining I, us today. Tell people where they can find your show and where they can find you on social media, please. You can find my show at uh, 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, you can find me at my crib because I've been here for the last week and a half. And uh, you can find me on social media at Cheap Seats Bass. That's at Cheap Seats Bass on Twitter. Stay healthy. You too, my man. Keep he it is real, homie. Sea Pass of WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening, and we'll have more episodes coming your way, if not this week, at least next.